So this morning, I want to meditate with you on this first phrase of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You don't get extra points for having the creed uploaded into your brain. Uh, you don't get extra points with God for having the creed memorized. Although, I hope after seven weeks of speaking the creed and meditating on it that more of us will have it sink a few layers down. You do get extra spiritual benefits when the truths of the creed make it from your head, through your heart, into your spirit, and start working its way out into your hands and your decisions and your words and the way that you view the world. So that is, that's a pretty lofty goal. I mean, little goal to memorize the world, the words of the creed, big goal for us together to live the words of the creed. There is a whole universe of faith and freedom when the truths of the creed become part of us. It anchors us, it comforts us, it grounds us, uh, it keeps us safe in times of trouble. This idea that there is a God who made the heavens and the earth was countercultural, radical, thousands of years ago. 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. Have you heard of Zeus before? What was Zeus the god of? Anybody? He's like the super powerful Olympian Greek god, right? He's the god of thunder. He's the chief god. How about Poseidon? Anybody seen Aquaman? Poseidon is the god of the seas and the waters. I don't know if it extends to fresh water or not, if he would be the god of Lake Michigan. I've never seen him. How about Aphrodite? Love. The goddess of love. Does anyone need the goddess of love? Right? So when folks who followed the one true God and believed in Jesus nearly 2,000 years ago wrote these words, I believe in God the Father Almighty, one God, one Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. They were saying it in the midst of a culture that believed in many different gods. And to say that there was only one God and that he made everything and made me was a countercultural and a little bit odd thing to say. Now, people in 2022 uh, tend not to believe in lots of different gods, right? Although we watch movies about, like, Thor and Thanos and Iron Man. Like, we're fascinated by the possibility of superheroes who have, like, these almost divine powers. So we haven't quite gotten over that idea as a human race. But we tend to have more people in our culture who are, say, things like, I'm an atheist or... I grew up maybe growing to church a little bit, but that's not part of my life anymore. I mean, the number of people who say that, that they have no spiritual tradition or no religious experience in the United States of America is like climbing by 1% to 2% every single year right now. Like, this is the fast trend. So to say in these United States of America or to say in a global culture in the year 2022 that I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, is increasingly strange and now almost as countercultural once again in our life and time right now 
as it was nearly 2,000 years ago when the creed came into existence. Why does the creed start with these words? The creed, by the way, what it's trying to do is summarize the entirety of the Bible in a nutshell so that you can internalize the story and the message of God's revelation and carry it around in a memorable sort of way. Like that is the goal of the creed, to sum up God's revelation in the Bible. How does the Bible begin with these familiar words? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Do you hear how closely the creed echoes the very first words of the Bible? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Once there was nothing except for God, the one true God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everything exists because God chose to say, let there be light as his first word. And then spoke many many beautiful words of creation after that. So the creed is a summary of the Bible. And what is the Bible? I believe the Bible is God's revelation to us. I believe God actually speaks and reveals himself and that the scriptures are in fact his word. And if we didn't have the Bible, we wouldn't know very much about God. At our house, we just adopted a tiny little cute cat. I was tempted to put a picture of her on the screen today because she's so cute. But then I thought it would be a distraction and I would lose you all. And all the dog people would be angry with me. So if you can just imagine a, t a little five-pound cat. She's more than a year old. Somebody abandoned her at the side of the road, and now she lives at our house. Uh, my cat, our cat, would not know anything about human beings unless we got down on cat level and fed her and pet her and gave her a name. Her name's Mabel, by the way. Isn't that cute? Uh, She's such a nice little cat, it can put her in a backpack and carry her around. You've only had her for two weeks and she'll go on a leash even and walk around. She's like a dog cat. But I digress. Here's my point. With our pets, because we are so exceedingly more intelligent than our pets, what our pets know about humanity comes from our condescending to their level. And when we speak to our cats, we talk to them and like, baby, oh, you're such a cute little boy. Oh, let me scratch you. Right? And this, in a way, is what God does for us in the Bible because God is infinitely more beyond us than I am beyond my cat. Right? So God's word is like his divine baby talk to say a little bit about his heart and God's nature and God's person not in a way that fully explains God, because we can't understand, 
but in a way that at least introduces us to the divine mind and the divine heart and the divine person. And I'd put it this way, what is the most basic foundational thing that God reveals about himself to the world and to people like us? That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can see the early signs here in the first verses of the Bible. There is a God who is going to make the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God. We're like 10 words into the Bible, and already with the one true God, there's God Almighty and the Spirit of God. What is going on that God introduces himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And as we work through the creed, you will notice that the Apostles' Creed has a three-part structure. The three core phrases are, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. Like That is the core of what God wants to tell someone like you about himself. Again, it's not the information that is transformative. Like, oh, I believe in a God who's mysteriously one, but also mysteriously Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, that is true. But here's the goal, that you would experience God as your creator, that you would experience God as the one who rescues you and saves you and redeems you and loves you despite everything that has gone wrong in the world and gone wrong in your life, and that you would experience God as the spirit that lives inside you to give you life and guide you and shepherd you every step of the way through this life and beyond. That is the goal, not to just memorize a creed, but to experience God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. More than anything, I think we as pastors, we desire, we pray for, we wish for this kind of relationship for you. Like Life is hard. Life is hard enough. If you are going it alone, it's impossibly difficult. I mean, it's difficult enough with like, a good husband or a good wife or a couple good friends, but without the companionship and the guidance and the love of the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I frankly don't know how people make it through this life. I would not. I'm not strong enough. Isaiah verses 44, chapter 44, verse 24 says this. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer who formed you in the womb. Can you hear God's creative fingerprints all over this as he speaks to us? Who knew you and formed you in the womb. God says, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who by myself spread out the earth. In this one verse from Isaiah, we have these two things coming right close together. The fact that God is the creator of every atom, every molecule, every planet, every galaxy, every bit of material stuff. God made it. God dreamed it up. And God made you. God knows you. God has known you. Every single detail, 
down to the atomic level about you since before you had a heartbeat, since before you had your own conscious thought, since before you came from a mother's womb, since before you breathed a first breath, since before you said your first word or went to kindergarten for the first time, did your first horrible thing, God is the one who made you. I say it again. If you say this kind of stuff out loud, not in a church sanctuary, people will kind of look at you like, ah, you really believe that stuff? Really? Like you're God's special person? God made you? I'm here to tell you, not just in a sanctuary for an hour on Sunday morning, but through the rest of my little imperfect life, I believe this stuff. And it gives me more strength and emboldening and empowerment than anything else. And I commend it to you. I want to speak with you about just a few possible implications. If you really took it from your brain into your heart, into your hands and into your mouth and into your spirit that the one who made everything actually made you, that God is your father, he is your maker, he is your almighty. Uh, I'm going to speak of this through the metaphor of, of a car, I guess, for a moment. Um, not only do we have a cute little cat at our house, we have a horrible um, 2005 Chevy Silverado at our house. It's, it's getting kind of old. Um, it was old when we bought it. It is, I think, currently four different colors because of the various paint jobs and parts on it. Um, things are breaking on this truck all the time. Am I wrong? I'm looking at my wife. I mean, literally all the time. Like plastic parts, metal parts. Just before our son went to college this year, the tailgate stopped working. So I was like, how do I the, you know, get the rust out of the inner parts of this 20-year-old tailgate? Here is what I've learned. Um, when it comes to fixing this old truck, the best thing to find are OEM parts. Some of you know what OEM means. It means original equipment manufacturer. So who made a Chevy truck 20 years ago? Multiple answers are correct. Chevrolet counts. General Motors also counts. GM, right? So because things have been breaking on these trucks all these years, they actually will sell you like the original Part, just refabricated at a later date. I have tried aftermarket parts from China because they were cheaper or, you know, just from random Amazon website, they break. Like when I was trying to fix the tailgate, I'm looking for OEM parts. We'll get into this much deeper next week, but God made everything good, including you. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff wrong with the world, including you, including me, right? And when we sense that things are not right, where is the place to go? To Amazon for some aftermarket stuff to help, like, spackle the stuff that's wrong with us? No, because God made us, <laughs> I am inviting that you would consider whenever anything is wrong with your life, when anything is wrong with your circumstance, when your life is crying out, that you would go to the original equipment manufacturer of your life, who is God.
Do you follow me with this? And what's true in cars is a hundred times more true with the human heart. And while there's Amazon for all kinds of a variety of parts, I mean, there are so many options that we have to self-medicate or to fix or to self-help or to try to numb whatever is wrong or just to like make it go away for a few hours. And what I am highly recommending to you, my friends, is that every time you sense the damage or the brokenness or the rust, that you will run, that you will run to God's store, which is full of the OEM stuff. Second implication. Gratitude. God made everything, and there is a residue of goodness still in every material thing that God's fingerprints touched. There is a lot of darkness and evil in the world, but it is not so strong or so wrong that it will have the final say or the final touch, hold, or grip over anything. This includes you and every single part of you. Now, you may be sitting there and be like, Pastor Greg, you don't know how I grew up. You don't know about my problems. You don't know the stuff I've done in some of my worst moments. I don't, and you don't know mine. But the principle holds true that God's original goodness in creation is so deep that no amount of our sin or trouble can erase his fingerprints from it. Of all the parts of human life, our psychology, our emotion, our physical health, our aging process, maybe the hardest area of life to believe that this is true is in human sexuality. I'm not going to say much about this this morning. Over these next seven weeks, um, I'm going to try to fit together seven puzzle pieces based on this foundation of the creed that help us live as embodied people in light of these spiritual truths. And because there is so much um, misunderstanding on the topic of human sexuality, I'm going to take a three or four minute pivot every single week. Um, Our church is part of a denomination called the Christian Reformed Church in North America. Um, This very summer, leaders from our whole denomination got together for two weeks to consider a 180-page report on the topic of human sexuality. Like, that's a lot of words. I read them. I was there. The very first thing that this report would commend to all churches on this topic, I'm going to read just a few phrases, are these that human sexuality is a good gift from our creator, a gift that can draw us to another person and bring deep physical pleasure. Then there's this little bit of a warning. Because we are constantly attending to technology in our modern world, we have become increasingly alienated and disconnected from our bodies. We need ordinary physical connections like eating, playing with, 
affectionately being touched by human brothers and sisters. Our physical communities are meant not only to heal the sin, shame, grief, and loneliness of believers, but also to offer hope to skeptical and curious guests, visitors, unbelievers. God's fingerprints of goodness cannot be taken away. It's true in terms of mental health. It's true in terms of the sexual nature and sexual energy that is gifted every single human being. Now, recognizing like this part of our lives changes a lot, like through the puberty years and into adulthood, right? I w- wanna say basically this. The sexual nature that God gave you is meant to be a gift. The sexual energy that God gave you is meant to be a gift. There is such a close linkage between this part of our lives and creativity and creative energy in general. And in fact, and I'll leave it here, creative energy that is the gift of God to every single person is the big umbrella And there's many different ways that God invites every person to uniquely manifest the creative energy that started with God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And just a subcategory of that creative energy is the sexual nature and energy that he has given to us. I say it again. God's goodness in creation is so good that no amount of harm Abuse, immorality, regret, shame, guilt, pain will ultimately erase the good fingerprint of God on this part of life as well. This is the first piece of the puzzle when it comes to having a healthy theology of human sexuality that God says it is good over this part of humanity as well. So gratitude, Um, it's easier for me to feel grateful as things are, sometimes when things are slipping away. Anybody have COVID in the last couple years? You don't have to raise your hand really. But if you have a cold, if you have COVID, if you have strep throat, you are never so grateful for the healthy feeling of your nasal passages and throat and breathing capacity as when you're sick. Are you with me here? Is it only me? Right? Normally I cruise around as a healthy adult and I'm like, just take for granted the fact that I can breathe, walk, run, take deep breath, like sing without anything coming out of my lungs. But the moment I'm sick, I'm like, oh, why am I such a wretched ingrate all the time? Right? On this very day, we could be tempted to be like, oh, it's raining. We're going to have this big church party. We thought we were going to be outside. But we can still be grateful that, like, if you're a kid, there are bounce houses in the lobby. Like, there are going to be both grilling bratwurst under the canopy at the west side. Like, someone is going to make a bratwurst with your name on it. Like, there's going to be food that other people made for you to eat for free in the garden room. Like, I'm grateful for this. If you've ever been, if you've ever been close to dying around someone who is approaching their last breaths, 
We are never so grateful for a frail, beating heart in your chest. You're never so grateful for the sweetness of a little bit of earth's air. You're never so grateful for these imperfect, frail bodies that we walk around in. But every day, because God is God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, there is an opportunity, and it does us well when we recognize that this is not going to last forever and that we appreciate what this very 24-hour day holds. Gratitude is one of the best ways to respond to the deep-down truth that God is your Father, your Almighty, your Creator, and the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Last and finally, um, I have one more word for you, and I promise this is not about sex. It is the word chastity. You're like, doesn't that just mean don't have sex? No, that's not what it means. Here's what chastity means in the big picture. Chastity means doing the right thing in the right way at just the right time. So if I hit a 2005 Chevy Silverado on stage right now, that would not be a chaste way to drive. Because I shouldn't have a car in here. We don't drive indoors, and we're supposed to be worshiping, not driving. That would be unchaste driving. I see a lot of bewildered looks. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's another example. I like to play golf, but if I took a golf ball right now and, like, drilled it through that window over there, that would be a very unchaste golf shot, right? Nothing wrong with golf, but it has to happen in the right place on a golf course at the right time. When you take a behavior outside of the right place in the right time, that is when uh, unchastity happens. If you're a salesperson, here sitting at church, you might be a great salesperson. But if the first thing you do at the end of a worship service is start selling something, looking at you, Arnie Coldenhoven, he got some steel to sell? I know he does. He moves a lot of steel, but I know he's not going to because of this virtue. In every aspect of our life, our business life, our worship life, our athletic life, our emotive life, the words that come out of our mouth, a beautiful way to respond to the one who made us and every moment and every situation is the wisdom and the virtue of chastity, discerning the right thing or the right word in the right place at the right time. Now, all of us have been unchaste in so many ways. I have made the right decision and then implemented it at the wrong time, more, more instances than I can tell you. I have had the right words many times and blurted them out at exactly the right, wrong moment. Have you ever had that? I thought I said the right thing. What's the problem? It was the wrong moment. Or maybe you had the right moment and you had the right words, but you kept them inside because you were scared of something. I am a comedy of errors when it comes to chaste living. Like, I have a lot of thoughts. And sometimes in real life, in the rough and tumble of real life, it is hard to do the right thing at the right time. 
So I go back to the one who made me, to the place with all the OEM parts, and say to God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Here's the final comfort. Despite the brokenness that exists in this world, despite our frequent mishandling of the good raw materials that God put into the universe, God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, still really loves us. Probably there'll be some guy with a John 3.16 you know, t-shirt on on a fo- some football game today. And it's, I feel almost cliche saying this, that God really loves you, that God really loves us. But on most days, this is the, the best news I have to offer. God really loves us. And this is one of the reasons why, as a church, I feel tremendously emboldened to say that no matter who comes in our doors, no matter where you came from this morning, no matter what happened a month ago or last night into your life, like, you are welcome here. You're welcome in this place because God made you. He breathed his spirit into you. You exist with God's handprint of love on you. And God loves you so much that he wants to meet you wherever you are and shepherd you forward. We are a church that is committed to offering this kind of radical hospitality to every single man, woman, kid, old person, baby who comes in this place It's not because we're so great or we're so hospitable. It's just because God is God the Father Almighty. And everyone who comes seeking the Lord, like so clearly has God's imprint and fingerprint. So how could we do anything less than meet you, greet you, try to feed you, offer you a bounce house, offer you some cotton candy, offer you some Puerto Rican rice, Ah, it's why Christians call each other brothers and sisters, which again is countercultural and seems even creepy if you don't go to church. But it gets to this deep truth that there is one God who made all of us, the Father Almighty, and that God really loves us. Amen? To let this sink down, I'm going to offer just 30 seconds of quiet and invite you to receive this and let it trickle down into your heart of hearts. Let's be quiet before the Lord. Oh God, our Father, thank you for making us, for redeeming us, for loving us. Let that sink down deep into us and carry us on. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand. We're going to sing about this very thing.